You are listening to Flipping the Narrative. Come and flip with us. Good morning from my part of the world. How are you guys? It's freezing over here. I'm in the UK. Um, I'm a Filipino expat once again. So, um, hey, it's nice to see you guys on screen. So Bams, we have to do another episode on what makes an expat. What makes an expat and what yeah. makes an immigrant, Dubai? It's race, basically, and migrant, class. Yeah. Not, yeah, not so an immigrant, migrant. Migrant or refugee, good grief. But, you know, I'm so excited about our topic today. It actually came from a fan named Erica Aika, who requested specifically, can you guys talk about the election? So I'm thrilled. We won't be talking about candidates here, but I think the question of Filipinos, Filipino-ness, and our history of elections and how we decide and all this is fascinating and rich. And our guests today, I'm, I'm a little, you know, I'm fangirling a little bit, admittedly, no? so I'm a little starstruck. So I'll pass on to Lou. How are you, Luis? How's the world of culinary magic? <laughs> it's going good and I'm still happy and I'm, you know, sort of salivating over our last episode and so happy that, um, yeah, yeah, we were able to talk about Filipino, you know, indigenous um, cuisines and, and, and how we stand, you know, vis-a-vis the rest of the world and what we're, we're starting to do right now. So I'm very happy about that. Happy that we now officially have a Filipino cuisine month every April. Um, so that's nice. awesome. We're good. And, and of course, great to, to talk about this topic because, you know, I, I came back to the Philippines in many ways because of the, you know, the promise and the vision of a country that was really coming to its own, you know, after Cory handed over her, um, you know, side to President Ramos. And I've been here now for 20 years, right? And so I'm very, very excited to see what the future is um, ahead of us. And, you know, excited. We have an important year in front of us. So thanks. We always say that every election is consequential. But this one, I mean, I don't know where, I I don't think it's hyperbolic to say that this one seems more consequential than than the others. And I'm actually a voting virgin. I finally registered. So I'm going to vote. I mean, by hook or by crook, I dragged my ass to the consulate in, in, in Barcelona. So, you know. To get myself registered, I'm actually okay. No, I'm not gonna be around, right? But I just need to vote, and then I made my kids actually go to the consulate in London to, to I mean, the embassy in London to register. So we're all like set, and of course, they're saying to me, Who are we gonna vote for? I said, Well, inform yourselves. So, elections sometimes it's a party sometimes it's a tragedy so why why do filipinos vote the way they do i mean at my age i've been hearing about the philippines so much potential if only the right leadership and five decades on i'm still hearing it when are we going to get the right leadership or set the foundations of good leadership that continue on to the succeeding administrations so why do Filipinos vote the way they do? What do they look for? All these things we're going to discuss. And so with us today, we're so honored to have like a personal hero of mine as well is Winnie Monsod, who has been, who is an economist, a UP professor. I mean, I'm not even going to go through her list of achievements because it's going to take the whole show. Everybody but- knows my Winnie, so that's good. <laughs> the radio host as well, right? I mean, straight shooting, data-driven, which I love. And 
as, as we all say, the numbers don't lie, data doesn't lie. And just always wonderful to have a conversation with. And also my friend, Manolo Quezon, whom I adore too, who's a historian, columnist, political analyst. Also, uh, he has his own podcast as well now. Also TV, right? You have a TV show and all. And I just love the way he gathers to get like, just really delves into Philippine history and psyche and synthesizes all these things to talk about who we are at this particular moment in time and how we got there and whether there's a prescription for the future or not. So with that, let's dive in. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. welcome. So right before we, we sort of interrupted the flow of this, it was already getting, it was already getting good. Um, and I kind of want to go back to that. No, the conversation was starting to talk about how Filipinos make their decisions in elections, right? And Manolo had shared that it was TV and and newspapers. And when he had brought up the fact that social media has really changed how we perceive what candidates, the election, how we make our decisions. I don't know where are we on that because I know Maria Reza has has that to shreds i really appreciate her for that no but where are we as filipinos in terms of how we make our bloody decisions in election i i you know i'll, I'll just take that and I, I will want to ask that question i asked before do we as filipinos deserve a democracy i think it's very basic i mean everyone deserves a democracy the question is there are so many different kinds and the most undemocratic places proclaim themselves democracies you know, North Korea is, is you know, democratic. It's like so many things. Maybe, okay, I won't be the one to speak on behalf of other people, but we've been, we've had democracy and therefore we're not about to give it up or, should, or do I think uh, we should. The question is whether we have a responsible one. Mm-hmm. Now that's a different question altogether. Yeah. And I've always approached it from the point of view of, um, you know, to a certain extent, on one hand, there is a certain logic to the choices our fellow citizens make. We may not like it, we may not approve of it, but you have to ask it from their point of view, and it will make sense from their uh, perspective. At the same time, there is a lot, I think, personally, that is a result of the rules of the game. I'll give you an example, which is that you know, in the old days, we used to have a two-party system. After EDSAD, the ones who framed our constitution felt that maybe we should have a multi-party system. Why should it only be two groups? And then the result was, since 1992, we have never had a president who has been elected by a majority of majority. our people. We have always had a minority mm-hmm. president. Now, this carries its own set of baggage. In fact, some Indonesian journalists I met told me that after Suharto fell, they went around the region to study and see what what they needed for for their newly restored democracy. And of course, they looked with with interest in us because there's there's this feeling that we're very close in many ways. And their takeaway from looking at the Philippines is we have to have a runoff election. We can't have a presidency that starts off handicapped Mm -hmm. from the very beginning. And in fact, the rules of the game are such, and I always tell people this, we elect a president who always has a majority against him, saddled with a majority in Congress that has nothing to do with that president because it's Mm -hmm. a permanent majority for every president because there's no loyalty to any party or Mm -hmm. 
or or a thing like that. And third, and this is what most people overlook, the other thing that every president has done is bribe the barangays by extending their terms. We were just because, talking about this. Yeah. yeah, because our barangays are theoretically non-political. When in mm-hmm. every democracy, the, 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 the real grassroots is supposed mm-hmm. to be the, the local area. But theoretically, we've made them non-political, which means they are incredibly mercenary. They are really transactional for whoever will buy them by yeah. extending their term. So in the, that sense, just on those three effects, we have a very dysfunctional system. And it explains many of the frustrations we have. Um, and in fact, many of the frustrations people in government have to try to get anything done. Imagine if there is a permanent ruling party, which is right. just there with its hands out. In fact, some diplomats have been saying that the local leaders are now organizing. Their takeaway from, from um, the pandemic is they're going to nominate one spokesperson to deal with whoever is the next president. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be different from, from the mm-hmm. way things used to be. So, so that's my point. We have a democracy, but it's really um, whether it, it's a responsible one. I think the rules of the game unintentionally have made it very dysfunctional. And because of that, a lot of the things get in the way of, of the things we'd like to see. Yeah, I think, you know, Manola, I get the point. It was my, my, I think the slant where I was coming from is, you know, when you have teenagers growing up or tweens, you know, they're 13, 14, and you give them full liberty. Right. I'm not sure they know what to do with that. Right. So, yes, it goes back to responsibility. Um, there's also accountability, which teenagers are sometimes not <laughs> great with. Um, so it was really not more on the side of the structure of what we have. But as a country, as an electorate, are we mature enough to understand what that is? Because at the end of the day, and again, I was talking to Laura a little bit about this before you guys came on. And I said, at some point, you know, I said, I'd like to see somebody with a strong hand um, governance, right? So we're like joking, like, sinong tatay mo, sinong tatay mo? And unfortunately, tatay was a little bit different than what I would have wanted at the time. Luis wanted to see mali pa yung na-order sa Lazada. Iba po sa picture. Yeah, but, but, but it shows you the, the, the you may have been onto something, you know? Yeah. And so, so that's the yeah. point. So like, how, how is that, right? I mean, are we, are we ready for, for that or, you know? Uh, a big freaking question, Lou, right? Like, I mean, we, one of the things we were talking about also is for people who, re- I'm old enough to remember, I was an Edsa baby. I freaking was there. I was there for one and two. And, you know, I have a very vivid memory of martial law and what that meant for our country, right? And that's very burned into my brain. But, after Ed's, voila, there wasn't a lot of education. I'm, I'm very biracial. I'm very, I grew up in the Philippines and the States. And I remember my civic history, my civic duty, all of that being much more present in my education in the United States than it ever was here. I'll say, I mean, I knew about human rights. I knew we had to storm Ed's uh, and stop killing people and all these things. But the idea of what it meant to vote, how to vote, what an electorate meant, right? That to me was really foreign growing up in the Philippines. So, if Laura, we're I don't know if I agree. I don't know if I agree because you know, don't forget. And and this is something I point out. I I think there were two turning points personally from my observation because I think all of us have been puzzling over this. Do you remember when that documentary? 
came out about Imelda in the 90s. Yes. Uh, which one is this? Not Kingmaker, no? That's new. No, the, no, no, the, no. the first one. You know the yes. one I'm talking about? You know, yes. at, the time, at the time that came out in the 1990s, they were still selling postcards in the streets. Do you remember that postcard of Imelda and Ferdinand with the horns and the fans? Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. They were still That's selling true. that. Then true. I remember watching that, watching that documentary. And at one point, Imelda does her cookie deuterium spiel. And everyone started cracking up. And I freaked out because I said, you suddenly, re- you defend Imelda. And in mm. fact, I had, I had um, uh, millennial friends who said, you know, the difference between you guys and us is, to us, Imelda is a celebrity. Right. You know, she's just an old Paris Hilton. And, and that shows you how, how oh that God. is... You know, that shows you how in their, their rehabilitation was so clever that way. Um, the, second, okay. the second aspect was Ed Sados. We forget that at Ed Sados, all of the kids who were out there on the flyovers were doing it because they wanted their EDSA. That's how powerful it still was on a generation that wasn't born um, yeah. during so EDSA or were little babies, you know? I think it's the, disappo- it's the, the disappointment family. after that. Winnie, because you've lived through many elections, post pre and post martial law. What, what was it like before? Was it did it seem to be a freer American style democracy? And I agree with Manolo's opinion, except for the last about the barangay, that the barangay was supposed to be non-political. Of no, of course not. The barangay was supposed to be non-partisan. I remember mm. my husband at the time. You know, said that it must be nonpartisan and the mayors should not have anything to do with barangay elections because the barangay, if you will, if you have studied our constitution, the barangay is the ultimate democracy. Mm. I mean, it is patterned after Greek democracy where the people are all lawmakers. They come to the assembly and they're supposed to be lawmakers. That's what the constitution says. But that has been distorted by the Department of Local Governments. The Department of Local Governments tells them when they have to have their assembly. It's supposed to be April and October. Have you ever been to your local barangay assemblies? No. Where it goes. The barangay was supposed to, it's so beautiful. The barangay is supposed to, you, you know, when they meet, every mm. citizen past 15 years old, can meet and quasi-judicial, quasi-legislative, quasi-judiciary. And I'm, I am saying that that has been all destroyed by the Department of Local Governments, and we have accepted it. So I think the very first thing we do, if we want to get back whatever, whether our, dysfunction, our democracy is now dysfunctional, or it is now no longer operating, or whatever, the first thing that we have to do is to get back our barangays. And that is actually the easiest thing to do if our people, if people like you, went to the barangay assemblies and, you know, and called the barangay executive to account. That, that, that is it. There is a person who has been advocating this since 20 years ago, and he's never been able to get, get it. But we have it in our power. It's there. We can do it, but we mm-hmm. don't do it. So let's not talk about 
the national elections. Let's talk about the barangay elections, which, by the way, has been postponed, as Manolo says, time and time again. And the barangay elections will be in December next year. And that is the more, I think, I think important because I think, well, the presidential elections next year are very important too. But I know who's going to win. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, okay, okay. Let's. <laughs> Just a minute. Look at Manolo's. But oh, you cannot. See. We can, we will not be able to see it because it's a podcast. But here's you know what good leaders are and what bad leaders are. And you look at the qualifications of all those good leaders, and you look at all those qualifications of all those bad leaders. And any seven-year-old child will know among the presidential candidates. Who should be elected, and that's what's going to happen yeah, yeah. next election. Because the Philippines, as uh, I think uh, Laura said, this, the, the Philippines is now in a in the worst possible spot it can be. It is the worst possible spot because it was the worst performer for performer in Asia over the COVID. Yeah, and we can even tell how much of the performance of the Philippines was due to the mismanagement of this government. All we have mm. to do is compare the performance of this government with, with the other four members of ASEAN 5. This government um, I mean, contracted by 9.5% in 2020. And its neighbors in ASEAN 5, the average, including the Philippines, huh, was 3.4%. So, you know, everybody got hit by COVID. But everybody, the, the ASEAN average was 3.4% and we contracted by 9.5%. That difference in growth contraction has to be attributable Mm -hmm. to this government. So we all know that. We all know that we are the worst performing in health. We are the worst performing in education. So who is the one who can give us priority for health and education? Who among the leaders? The studies show it. The studies show it in the covid 191 countries were studied, with 19 of them being female-led and, and, one, and, and the rest of them being male-led. And in all mm-hmm. possible attributes, they compared this, uh, the, the female-led countries with male-led countries depending on population size, on health expenditures, on the tourism, etc. And no matter which way you match them, the women turned out to be the best. Leaders, it was Afghanistan notwithstanding. It is the time of the woman leader. (laughs) It has to be be the time of the woman leader because that woman leader, according to the studies, has more empathy, advocates or prioritizes more human development, human capital development. That's why the that's why the countries that were female led were more successful because the leaders put more priority on lives rather than livelihood. No, but will that We all know who should be with uh, uh, (laughs) I mean, I'm saying any any right-thinking Filipino will know exactly who to vote for next year. And I think most of us... What's the percentage of right-thinking? I think... Because no. No, if we go back to what Manuel said, you know, the reality is what, what, what strikes me is, I mean, we, we know this. Now, the, the, the bigger issue is, and this is what is so sad, that it doesn't mean, because I was going to ask you, Dawine, like, you know, the reality is, 
you know, we keep on making the same mistakes, but it doesn't mean it doesn't seem to be a problem because even we, if we've debunked promises, even if we've proven lies, um, you know, if you've discovered these lies, you know, what Manolo was saying a while ago is that people still vote for a figure for a couple of um, what they believe is a strong character. And so how can we change that? Because, you know, if 60, 70 percent of the majority are still voting by what they think is a characterful leader and not real, you know, real data, what can transform. How are we going to get the Philippines onto a track that is positive? Because, I mean, we seem to be making the same mistakes again and again. Yeah, well, Luis, oh, let, 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 me, let me put it this way, Luis. I, I differ in, in this sense. Again, uh, what we know is whenever, whoever gets elected starts off with, on average, uh, 70% of the country against them, more or less, you know, at best, 60% of the country against them, which means one basic thing that, that um, all of us are used to, you know, watching elections in the United States and there it's basically a one-on-one thing and there's a majority winner. The mentality required and the strategy used to create a majority is very different from putting together a winning majority where you only need a bigger minority than the next minority. This, in the first place, pushes more extreme points of view, right? I mean, and then it's collecting all the, all the little groups and it's it's a very different approach from trying to 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 really craft a, a a big message that will that will get to everyone. Also, of course, that uh, there are professionals who have who are engaged in this industry every six years. They believe that they they can get into your head and and you know get you to do you know to jump through hoops. With the right, you know, with the right color and the right shade and the right story on TV, because it's fundamentally on TV, and spook you and give you nightmares and make you angry by what you see on your Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and, and YouTube, and then and YouTube, which reinforces everything. And to yeah. a certain extent, Maria Ressa's point is that it, they've perfected it; they're very good at it, and they're probably going to succeed. I have a different point of view, which comes from an, a, a British uh, guy named Adam Curtis, who, who studies these things. And he says, actually, it's the opposite. What, what got us all freaked out over the past six to ten years is all the little groups that dared not express themselves, that lived in the shadows, all got reconnected with each other. And discovered that together they have strength. They have strength for Brexit. They have strength for Trump. They have strength to to win an election in the Philippines. But that is very different from their act from from the internet actually having changed anyone's minds. Maria Reza's uh, thesis is this is massive brainwashing going on on a very effective level. Adam Curtis's point of view is no. It is it is gathering together organized minorities. That can that can overturn what is actually still the overall public opinion. Now, now take your pick. But the, the point is, this has been gained to death, and that's that's what we're facing. So it leaves little time, Luis, for reflection, for yes. sober discussion, for <laughs> honest debate. 
you know, and much less a responsible campaign on the part of the candidates. Have you watched Netflix's uh, latest The Social Dilemma? Yeah. When, when Netflix is essentially this, uh, discussing the, the point of Manolo, Manolo thinks it's not, it's not the big companies because Maria Reza thinks it's Facebook. She was the one who started yeah. the, the, yeah. the, you know, focusing on Facebook and what, what it was doing. But uh, the point is that these uh, technologies have really are more are intelligent and are really influencing our minds without even our knowing it. And that is why I am so glad I am not on Facebook. I am not on Twitter. I am not on Instagram. <laughs> I know that my mind has not been, been influenced. But I, right. I just want to say that we all, there, there seems to be an underlying assumption here that it is the dumb Filipinos, the, the, the poor Filipinos that oh. make the choice. That is not no. so. Because yeah, the, sure. the ones who elected President Duterte was proportionally yeah. larger. A mm. class, yeah. B, and B class, and the ones who proportionally less were for mm. the third was the D and E. <laughs> I mean, that shows you that yeah. Filipinos can choose. More, it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, so social media, of course, we have to get into, right? And I remember I had a dinner with Maria because back when I was in school, my entire focus was on resistance in post-modernity. And, and basically for people listening, what that means is when we were, say, in a more, quote, modern world, it was a little clearer to see who the good people were versus the bad. Quote, unquote, lahat tohan. Basically, it's representation. So let's say in colonialism, napaka-claro, it's so clear. The colonized are good. The colonizers are bad. Clear, again, in quotation marks. When post-modernity happens, so we have media, we have this explosion of information and all that, piglang all of a sudden, it's not so clear, right? And this has just been, it's like post-modernity on steroids with social media. Because not only can trolls be paid in the thousands to really influence millions across the world, but the businesses themselves make so much damn money on these algorithms that are so irresponsible that there is no incentive to stop it, right? And so my big thing has always been, why haven't we regulated this earlier, these big businesses? But I totally just want to double down on that because I think Manolo said something earlier that struck me as so true, which is the, the rebranding, if you will, of old dictatorships was masterfully done, right? Uh, Sean Spicer, that was his name, no? The first, yeah, one the of the first white right, of Trump. Yeah. When he appeared on Saturday Night Live, that was one of the first debates where everyone was like, what the hell are you doing? This is too soon. You're giving this guy a rebranding opportunity where, quote unquote, he's cool naman pala because he can make fun of himself, right? There's an incredible global manipulation that I think is so possible and so quick on social media. So mahirap talaga, and you're absolutely right. It's not the quote, unpoor, uneducated, unquestioning. These conversations, this, this bamboozlement is happening at a rate of milliseconds across the board and across every single class, right? It's, it's staggering to me. It's a little intimidating every time I think about it, to be honest. As, as a matter of fact, that this is what happened. I, I am told that there was this kind of influencing done in the last elections. I mean, they, I, I don't know how they do it, but they, yeah. but, but they do it. But yeah. in the last elections, 
the rural, the rural, mm. rural population were not for Duterte. They were, they did, they, they, most of them did not vote for Duterte. It was the urban, the rich, the richer class mm. that voted for Duterte. So, you know, this, this, this uh, hunger for strongmen, yeah. that is the most stupid thing because Marcos was a strongman and look yeah, what he did to the country. And Duterte, they don't want, you know, they want to call him a strongman. Look what he did to this country. For God's sake, let's get out of this strongman mentality. And this is, still, this is still because of our, I think, this is, this is now a personal opinion, not evidence-based. Because Filipinos are so macho-oriented. You know, got to have strong men. Yeah, but it's not just macho. Men. It's also Filipinos, sorry to say this, but we're lazy. We don't want to do the work. We want a strong man. We want that father figure or whatever. We do everything. Oh, that's not no. yeah. that's so broader, not lazy. I mean, that's not the manarfama, diba? Oh, no, no, just... not abroad, not abroad. I'm just saying that we think that all we have to do is elect the person and everything will just fall into place. We don't want to do the work of a civic of a citizen. I know, but the, here, here's here's the here's the thing that Bambina is getting at, which everyone has been obsessing over. I mean. Um, a, a quote I love to give in presentations comes from Carlos P. Romulo, who said, Filipinos want a president who will make decisions for them. Mm. Yeah, Period. Exactly. Full stop. And, and I think, um, you know, he, 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 he had as good a gra- grasp of our psychology as, as anyone. But Sorry, again, what year was that? <laughs> <laughs> no, Sorry, what year was that? No, he said he what said this in the in the hundred years ago, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so I mean come on, we can't we cannot be saying that because it's been years from that and and I think we have no, all no. it's unfair. All the more, all the more you can. Luis, look, remember just a while ago you're saying you want someone who, who will be strong and, and that's and, Luis. You know, yeah. That's but there me. are a lot there are a lot of there are a lot of Romulos and Luises and people like that in, in the electorate and um, in fact, a lot of the marketing being done as we speak is premised on addressing that. Okay. I will tell you that from personal experience, I think one of the biggest mistakes President Aquino made in his time was to say, Kayo ang boss ko, because there was a backlash against him. Again, um, you know, that's that's just from yeah. ob- observing things at the time. But, but mo- more to the point, um, so this is, we, we've, we've agreed that, you know, the public is not as ignorant, stupid, and 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 lazy as 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 it's made out to be. I personally mm-hmm. believe there's even in the decisions we dislike, there's logic behind it based on their mm-hmm. life experience. Yeah. The, the question is the, the question really is, and this is something Bambina raised, the question of of an old-fashioned word, civic. Because I, mm-hmm. I was just in another podcast with Father Kaluag, and people are really talking about this because there has to be more of a of a cause and effect uh, connection made. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people you find very very passionately engaged in trying to change things are you know sort of live and breathe these these concepts, but you can't take it for granted in in the broader public. In fact, in many uh, institutions or schools, it may even be discouraged now, and that has its own own effect. Right. I was going back to the civic lessons, no? but I want to really double down on something Winnie said that I think is 
kind of spectacularly bringing us to an interesting nugget of possibility, no? which is this idea of the barangay. When Obama was running, right? One of the successes of that campaign was grounds, ground root. I mean, roots shatalaga, like knocking on doors. Way back, like civic 1960s type of knocking on doors and stuff because the Republicans at the time were calling people and a bunch of people didn't have landlines, right? So it was mobile. It was internet. It was knocking on doors. It was really a changed reality that they were able to kind of motivate and move. What I really find in the last few elections has been a, and I don't know why, but a shocking failure to harness this powerful medium, social media, rebranding, telling the cool story, because all of a sudden it became cool to not vaccinate, to like, I don't know, wear sheep's clothing uh, clothing and storm the White House. Like, I don't understand why we're not better at marketing, the, the quote, for lack of a better phrase. What I think what is so important here is that there is, I, I see that there is a change. There is mm. a, you know, in 1919, we, we voted out so many dynasties. Did you ever think that could happen? All right, that's the good side. On the other side, in 1919, we saw how trolls could dominate the election also. You know, it's good and bad that's happening. And what we're trying to do is to, affirm the good and try to reduce the bad. And so right. we have... I beg your pardon. 2019, you mean. Sorry. I, you, can see, you can see where I belong. <laughs> <laughs> you belong in 2021. No, it's absolutely true. I think that there is going to be a... There is now getting to be a sea change in what is happening. Look at all the volunteering that has been going on this time. And the registration. The registration. The the registration, etc. In other words, the people are trying to get back their country. country. I think that's what is happening. I don't know whether Manolo is, you know, maybe he's a little bit more cynical. But I, I think that is what is happening. They've seen what has happened to the country. They've seen what's happened with a strong man. Can I, can, I add, can I add to what, what uh, Winnie is saying? In 20, uh, 2013, the midterms of the previous administration, <laughs> President Aquino took me aside and he said, do you know that for the first time since 1987, many of the ruling families in the provinces were sweating bullets for the first time. And many of them made it by the skin of their teeth and they had the biggest fight on their hands since 1987. This is him saying that. And then I was thinking about it. And so I started asking Congress. And there was a reason for this. And the congressmen who, you know, when they're not in front of the cameras can be rational people. There were three <laughs> basic reasons, okay? The first reason is our, our economy and our society have expanded so much that for an enterprising person who wants to rise up in the world, politics doesn't have to be the way especially if you're obscure. So fewer and fewer people are wanting to get into politics. He said, you know, every party used to have a full slate. Now no party can form a whole slate, um, number one. Number two, there's been so much internal movement in the country. Areas that used to be Ilongo will now be a different ethnicity. Tagalog areas are now Ilocano and sort of 
He says the, res the result of this was that the ability of the machinery of the old families to, to control votes has weakened. What it's been replaced with, sadly, is either um, not so much independent voters, but voters who will do it only for hard cash. The result of this, and this is the third part, is it has become so expensive that competing families no longer can afford to compete. They, if you notice, there's been a growing number of candidates who are running unopposed. Mm -hmm. And that's because they sat down with the competing family and said, let's just divide the, the, the positions among us. Mm -hmm. But what Pinoy's point at that point was, he says, you know, they're facing an extinction event. And he says, these are my people, you know, and you say, but they're facing, you know, I don't know how long they have left. Extinction that was, Yeah, that was 2013. So you can see that according to this, then by 2019, many of them did, did fall. One lesson that, that I think a lesson that we learned from, from, the, from Duterte in, in 2016 was the middle class felt empowered again. You know, for, for many, for a long time, the middle class had always been, all the analysts said, they don't matter, they're too few, that, you know, it's the masa this, it's the masa that. One thing that they discovered was they have more in common, perhaps, with other sectors in society. Second is, they can really make the noise, and, and they were, became hyper-aggressive, and it spooked other people. But then it also led other groups, um, it's what you see now, the, the volunteer and, and the excitement uh, going on. So I, I actually am not cynical. I do think it has a lot of the professional politicians nervous because they don't know how this is going to play out. You know, one of the most interesting survey things was if the pandemic isn't uh, under control, will you go out and vote? And um, the numbers were pretty discouraging, up to 50 percent mm -hmm. in Luzon, a little more in, in, uh, in the Visayas, but, you know, also big chunks. So that makes things kind of really um, mm. iffy. And I guess, and a lot of this will then boil down to motivation and not even, I, I don't think it would even be, you know, you can't buy it if, if people are worried about, about their, their health and yeah. that sort of thing. We don't have mail-in elections here, no? No, I don't even think we have online. Um, no, no, can no. We vote on no, no, no. You have to, you have to go. Yes. You know, I find I find also further fascinating this idea of um, you, you talked about the, an extinction event. No? And several of my friends in the U.S. are professors, you know, but they talk about, say, the African-American community, the Latin American community, etc. And a lot of the discussion about sort of this hard right, very sort of white supremacist positioning is being framed as it's it's an extinct segment of the population say, or, or it is an extinction event also because you have a lot of you know older white very hardcore right-wing people who are feeling threatened right you have this this population that is much more quote colored it is multiracial it is multi-gendered it's all of this stuff and you know towards this idea of a strong female leadership that's coming to power in the world i think it's a fascinating way to look at what bar are people really rebelling against what bar are people really trying to hold on to are we really looking for the strong man of asia again so hard but bams you were saying no but but are we really ready for i mean okay we've had two women president and this remarkably for this particular 
um, election cycle, there's only one woman so far running for president, right? Whereas the last one we had three, I think we had we had two or three. I can't remember. But but not because just because you're a woman that you're better. It has to right. do with your qualifications too. And unfortunately, the past uh, president uh, Gloria Arroyo was hampered by the fact mm-hmm. she had that she had a family, a spouse, and and mm-hmm. children, male children who were greedy. But I think had she not been hampered by that, she would have made an excellent president. I really yeah. think so. She had the managerial skills to actually steer mm-hmm. us in the right direction. She had the brains and the skills. She had a, a husband who was two-timing her and children who were uh, running for seats in the Congress and all. She was busy trying to perpetuate her dynasty. So that's not mm-hmm. the kind of woman leader I'd like. But the, the woman yeah. leader that we have in the waiting in the wings is obviously not that kind. So, I mean, any right-thinking Filipino, I, <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll look at the qualifications of all the candidates and say, well, this one has it. She does not lie. She does not steal. She does not cheat. You know, she's, <laughs> she does not murder. She does not kill. What more do you so want? I, I wonder, no. getting into something that's maybe more boring, no? I really wonder, like, in, again, I'm a little more versed in the States just because I got, I couldn't actually vote in this country for many years. And finally, I can register, no? Uh, for a long discussion about my citizenship issues. But I was born and raised here. My heart is here. But there are certainly some things in the United States that I felt were damaging, really, really damaging to the whole electoral process, including Citizens United, that really opened the floodgate for super PACs to be able to back parties and individual candidates and all of that. No, Locally, I wonder, is there anything, and again, you know, it brings up, I guess, more boring questions about policies or laws. Can we implement something here that can level the playing field a little bit in terms of internet trolls or you know, how much money can actually be put in a campaign? I don't know. Well, I mean, let's not forget that um, three of the major parties are actually subsidiaries of corporations. San Miguel Corporation essentially has the National People's Coalition. The Casino and, and, and Ports King Razon has the National Unity Party. And of course, Villar has the Nationalista Party. So how does that operate? They operate in that they have a block in Congress that can make sure that there will never be a law that will be passed to affect, you know, to negatively affect the interests of, of, their, of their corporation. So there's that. Second of all, um, and this is where I would, let's say I would disagree about the barangay because, you know, we ha- I've always described our political parties as mananangals because they're just floating torsos <laughs> With heads, but they've lost their connection to the to the ground. That connection was supposed to be, you know, the old barrio, right? Um, mm-hmm. You run for barrio captain and you'll move up and so on. And that's that's the way it's supposed to go uh, both ways so that you would have conventions that actually mean something and aren't just decoration. Anyway, that's, that's, that's one sort of path we could have taken. The mm-hmm. fact that, that that path has been closed off also means that media has... has Taken over many of the functions that used to be taken over, that used to be done by political groups mm. and 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 organizations. 
um, in the same way that, you know, Atulfo has taken on many of the jobs of the justice system, which is very Pinoy. We, 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 will, we will come up with an ad hoc solution to a problem because mm-hmm. you still have to fix it somehow, right? right. And it's usually just temporary um, by nature. So interestingly, again, like I was saying, you know, congressmen sometimes in their lucid moments are, are rational people. The congressmen themselves have actually filed bills saying, hey, if you actually did what the Germans do, which is each political party gets a chunk of taxpayers' money, and this is all you can use at the election, and you can only broadcast so many minutes, and you cannot have any ads and whatever, they said, we'd be happy because then we, we don't have to keep begging people for money. But of course, no one... Of course, the guy who proposed this, after studying it very seriously, was Joe de Venetia, who, just by looking at him, you know, you wouldn't, you know, trust with your wallet. But the guy actually studied it, you know. And then, of course, he was really sad. No one wants to reform, you know. And he was crying. Mm-hmm. But, but, but again, um, because from the outside, um, no one wants to even consider it. And then maybe we get sidetracked into to all sorts of complicated ways when. That could have been a, a simple way of doing it, you know? I just, uh, yeah, the second, to me, huh, the second private money or corporate money gets into government, it's really asking for trouble. I mean, the point of government is to provide some sort of check and balance because in capitalism, there's nothing that's built in that's a moral or civic responsibility, right? Theoretically, that's what the government's there for. So, I don't know, big project, big, <laughs> big issue. <laughs> it's an interesting thing. I think we are at... Um you know, we are at the point where I think things can really, really change or not, right? I mean, if you look at the slates that's out there, unfortunately, uh, I, you know, I shudder like just looking at the list. And I, I wanted to ask both Winnie and, and Manolo, I mean, I, I don't understand this issue of substitution last minute. I've read through it. I've seen this. I don't know where that came from. It came from a very simple practical problem. And we, we've had it as long as we've had elections, which is what happens if someone kicks the bucket right before election day. And, you know, you have to have a substitute. And like so many things. Um, it's abused. It's abused because some, um, it's the same thing as the law in our country. I mean, when you look at things like uh, chief justices that can be removed by all sorts of weird votes, you know, the, the gift of Ferdinand Marcos and people, his legal teams, like Estelito Mendoza and those people mm-hmm. was, they took the law and then ma- made their, the core of their expertise finding really weird, unusual ways. Loopholes. Yeah. Yeah. To get, and that has now become the, the sort of point of, of, of all uh, rules in, 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 for, 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 for so many people. So, it's the same way for substitutions. What's not, what started off as a sort of basic common sense thing that every party has the right to, to you know, very famously, um, Magnolia Antonina, if you remember who she is, she was a senator. She became a senator because her husband dropped dead or, or you know, d- died right, right on election eve. And so they just substituted her. Before that, in my grandfather's time, Romualdez dies, and they, they, mm. they elect someone successfully because they just inserted someone's name mm. for the block voting. So. So there, again, it's, it's always a game. There will be a, an innovation. So now everyone is abusing it to death, which means there's going to be a fantastic debate in Congress, in the next Congress. And there might actually be a, a closing of that loophole, or maybe not, you know. 
Maybe not. <laughs> I wonder yeah. here about about I don't know how to maybe influence people we know or people we love or people we work with or our employees or whatever to vote, right? And then of course how to make your decision. So interestingly for, for me at least, what was fascinating to me was watch this play out in terms of vaccination or ivermectin. Like all of these things that you know, the, the, what Maria says all the time, Reza, no, that I love is what social media has done that has been maybe the most damaging is all of a sudden facts are something to be questioned, right? And so, plain, let's say looking at the, the Bakuna situation and I'm looking at entrepreneurs struggling with, how do we get our employees to, to get it vaccinated? Because they really believe they're going to turn into zombies now. And I mean, the things that I heard were as wide as quest may incentive ka, may extra discount ka, may bonus ka ng ganyan. Two things like this, sabihin mo na lang, kung mag-zombie kami, ikaw yung kakainin. So dapat, magpabakuna ka na rin. Anything na lang to get. So I guess, you know, as, as experts who've really seen this, whatever, how would you go about it? The first thing is, is what you mentioned earlier on the game. The, the internet companies, I mean, Facebook, etc., should be regulated. I mean, the employees, former employees of Facebook, in, uh, the Twitter, Instagram, have all yes. called for this during the, yes. the hearings. And, and mm-hmm. now, the, the, apparently, the American Congress is getting really scared. But the fact, that, and <laughs> the fact that you said that there is now no more truth, there seems to be, mm-hmm. you know, alternative truths, altern- <laughs> you know, alternate reality. Yeah. That's all a product of, of uh, the internet. Yeah, yeah because it virally multiplies what you say. No, well, uh, untruth. The algorithm. Until it's up, accepted yeah. as truth. Yeah. What I found out in that, in that Netflix uh, documentary mm-hmm. was that what I get when I click, you know, Google, it's, it's not, not random. Entirely the yeah. same thing at what you get mm-hmm. when you click yeah. Google for the same thing. Because they have yeah. studied you so much and they're trying exactly. to influence you. And so yep. without your knowing it, that's why they yeah. said, you know, how can a democracy survive when there is mm-hmm. no common truth? Yep. And yeah. that is what is, what is happening to us now. We may not, uh, we, we may not uh, emphasize it so much, but that is what is happening to us now. I mean, where, did, where did that thing about all of a sudden the, the Marcoses are? are, you know, God's gift to, to humanity. Where did that come from? It's got yeah. to have come from the, from the internet. It's, it's yep. nowhere else. And they, they weaponized YouTube. Yeah, they weaponized YouTube. That's, because yeah. that's what young Filipinos are, are, are watching or consuming. Right. So and, and in that sense, they've got you know, a brilliant strategy. When you think we've got it. to regulate that thing. We've got mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. The second thing you've got to do is we've got to get yeah. the barangays back. Mm-hmm. And the third thing we have to do, and I I mean this with all sincerity, we've got to have more responsible women in politics. Yeah. The fact is, the truth is, the undeniable truth is, is that they have a different perspective from men. They have different priorities from men. And the, 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 the fact that they are underrepresented makes the country, I mean, less 
more wasteful. In other words, mm. we are wasteful because we are not using them properly. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the right kind of women. Please don't tell me that, you know, all women or that all men are. And somebody yeah. accused me of being a mis- misandrist. Meaning to <laughs> no. say, I said, are you crazy? You know, oh, yeah, yeah. nobody is questioning men. But the point is that women have so much more difficulty getting elected. And the women who get elected, unfortunately, most of them belong to political dynasties. So they, they don't. Good thing. God yeah. elect and, and Manolo is smiling. Well, this reminds me of uh, uh, this reminds me of a quote by um, Elena Ferrante. You know the writer, mm-hmm. the, the Italian writer, novelist. Who actually, that's nobody knows who she is, right? She <laughs> said, uh, "We have to fight so that the greatest, longest, stupidest waste ever seen on this planet will end." The waste of female intelligence and creativity. Uh, I absolutely mm-hmm. agree with it. Okay, so we have the ticket. Take it again. Ballot na to. So si Winnie, Bambina, tas ako taga cheerlead. Okay. Okay, ready. Ballot na to. Okay. Ayusin natin. I'm going to print out the shirt. I think, I mean, the, the, for me, the, the biggest takeout is, yes, women, of course, hello, we, it's been a long thing happening and waiting you know i mean just the character of 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 women and the ability to understand what's going on on the side the right woman huh well Mm. yes but i think generally women have that more than men do right this this way of side um understanding things that are going on 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 you know uh, so from the sidelines uh, i'd like to believe but i think the the bigger point to me is that the philippines i mean we have you more than 50% of the population is a very, very young population. We have young blood. And I think the interesting thing is, I'd like to take this further, is like we have young people who are, you know, prepared, who have incredibly high sort of achieving dreams. There's a whole new wave of thinking that can happen and that we need. I believe that what we've had in the past and still have in, in politics and in government in many cases, are very, you know, um, sort of old thinking folk that cannot evolve, right? And they've been hanging on to many of these things. And it's important to let go and say, hey, you know, there are younger philosophies, there are younger advocacies, there are much more fresh ways of looking at stuff. And we are a population that is so incredibly young, we need the young to lead. Period. So, Whether they're men, women, you know, or you can know, I jump on that because you said you said something that to me was so key. One, yes, the youth for sure, but two, you said something about a particular particularity of perspective from the sideline. So I think this really speaks to women. Hundreds and hundreds of years of bullshit, ignoring our intelligence and all this. Fine, but if you look again, you know, at the U.S. Congress, right? When we had this incredible wave of eight, the first Muslim American woman, right? more women of color, like color. Women, women who are trans, the first indigenous woman to be in charge of like water and energy and stuff. In the Philippines, we have such a tremendous diversity that I think our youth embraces much, much more. And I'm talking about diversity in terms of class, in terms of education, in terms of gender, um, in terms of yeah, why don't we have like a more prominent LGBTQ representative, for example, right? I mean, we've actually been quite progressive, I think, in this sense. In, in electing our first trans representative. Trans woman, no? yeah. 
Yeah. Right. So I do think we're primed for that kind of really progressive change. I think it could be extremely powerful, extremely. So, so now we just have to regulate the social media and then be better about dealing well, I'm with gonna, it. I'm going to rain on your parade. And, um, oh, no, you're not. Yeah, no. But, <laughs> okay, I'm rude. Try. You've actually seen, you know, what got a lot of people uh, excited um, the last election was passing, where you had a really old funny daddy dynasty that was toppled mm. by 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 a progressive um young, young new guy. mayor yeah. right and one thing that i think our society has going for it is that you know if the, spe- if the pendulum will swing one way it always will swing the other way a year and a half ago no one would have been expecting that that um an outgoing administration would look so weak and out of sorts no one. Everyone thought that you know this. This was like this unstoppable force. All it took was a question over face shields, you know. Um, mm. and, and then all of a sudden, it turns out people still cared about money, public money, and responsibility, and things like that. It, it's you know you're finding that many of the things that we thought were never going to change can suddenly change. Um, and and, mm. and it's really when when the the status quo looks so unbeatable that perhaps it's like a gas, you know, like, like what, like we studied, like, you know, a, a star before it explodes gets really huge and then collapses mm. in and of itself. And yeah, that seems to be, yeah. but let's not forget other things also that, um, you know, um, I was just discussing this morning that the, the marketing people have are saying that the, the uh, generation Z the youngest ones now who are coming into their own is the most law-abiding, obedient generation since the 1960s. And this is apparently, you know, one theory is that this is due to technology because in technology, you cannot innovate. You have to really follow everything precisely and not deviate from anything. Otherwise, um, your programs won't work and, and that sort of thing. So that's one theory that you may, what you may have are, are, Perhaps this is good in that it, they, that it is a cooperative-oriented generation. And so it may even be a little less, you know, that's why the one thing you see simmering online in many ways is, I, I'm shocked by it, this antagonism to the baby boomers. Have you, have you, have you seen that? There's, I've never seen Boomer. that. I mean, yeah, Boomer. this phenomenal Only. hatred on the part. Which baby boomers, Manolo? Um, the, 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 the generation Z, the ones in their twenties and, and teens, they really hate, you know, I guess these are their grandparents or what, right? But the, the baby boomers, it's very specific. Um, everything wrong with the world is, is due. To, and I've never, I mean, you know, I'm, 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 boomers I'm is the post-World War II, you know. yeah, post-World War II, uh, generation babies, right? Born after the war, right. baby boomer. Well, well really, really your age I'm not going to put you in that category. <laughs> I may. I'm older than that. I wanna... <laughs> Icon, ageless, legend, number one. Number two, Gen X is the generation that fucking rocks. I just want to say this. And number yeah, three, I do also want to say, I don't understand how that's raining on my parade. Okay, yeah, that's <laughs> right. I, 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 just, I just wanted to provoke. No. You wanted to provoke. Fair enough. Well, I'm not going to take the bait. <laughs> Um, I am all about the diversity. Winnie, I'm Winnie, all about unheard voices. I, I just meant to say is if we're depending on the Generation X 
then we are depending on a good thing. I'm on the cost. And I'm on the boundary. I'm Gen X-ish. Not really. Because everybody, yeah, I teach, and everybody says, mm. well, what about the generation now, you know, the younger generation? And, I, and they said, you know, they're really so irresponsible. I said, are you crazy? This generation is more responsible than my generation ever was when I was their age. That's mm. for sure. You, you know, we were all parties and college and, and barn dances, etc. And these kids now, they're with their barangays and with their civic organizations and yeah. their projects. I am so proud of them. And yeah. I, you yeah. know, so when you say there's no hope, I, there is hope. This country has more hope than the United States. I'll tell you I'm terribly sorry. There's a very, very important thing here that cannot go unquestioned. Winnie, barn dances? Come here, hay rides. Oh my God. Wow. That's I'm terribly sorry. Hey, rise at barn dances, bagyud uy saan? This is in the University of the Philippines, for heaven's sake. Um, I do not believe this. What a freaking how American. I, I'll, show you, I'll, I'll show you pictures. But the point is, now kids have fantastic activities. And all of them are civic-oriented, you know, civil spirit. I, I am. I, I, I rest assured that the Philippines will be better off than we ever were. There we can go. I, can I, I tell you so something that, that I found very funny here? That, that um, you know, I, 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 when you go to a rotary, they're all depressed and they're complaining they can't, they can't recruit <laughs> younger people to join them because of Facebook. And then online, when there's a storm or now because of their, there's a campaign, you know, the groups, the civic groups of today aren't, aren't Rotary or Kiwanis. Yes. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the yeah. fan clubs. No. The, the, the Korea, the, the, the Korean, the K-pop fan clubs, the, yeah. the, the, the boy band fan clubs. They're the ones who are, they self-organize and then they start. And whoever Open. thought that they would then be raising money for, for, for flood victims mm. and things like that. It's amazing. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the, the young woman, that young lady that started the community pantry, right? Yeah, yeah that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Oaks, listen, if, if this were in person, what I would be doing now is calling over the martini cart and asking for a new round so that I could really selfishly stay here and pick your brains and discuss for the next i don't know six hours easily six hours i was gonna say easily right and then i'd ask for better music and i'd say ano pa ba nandiyan na cocktail cart let's bring it now bring it right <laughs> um but i do respect very much between the teaching and the podcast and the tv shows and the reporting i don't know what we don't want to keep you here forever so perhaps as a way of closing we can ask if you you know could say one thing to Filipinos at this point with the elections coming up, what would it be? You know, would it be educate yourselves? Would it be get off of Facebook? Would it be, what would it be? You know, right? You've seen it all. Wear a particular particular color, wear a particular color, maybe. Um, (laughs) Drink a particular champagne. (laughs) (laughs) 
and no, I and think it's, yeah, it's, it's important. I think that the, the, at the end of the day, what's important is uh, how consequential elections are to our country. It's not just anything else. It's not just the next election. I think we're looking at really an incredibly consequential time for our lives. Um, we have we are still living a uh, pandemic, and I sort of want to reiterate this because I, I did not want this point to go unsaid or unquestioned or, or not talked about. We have seen that people who seemed quote-unquote meek or weak are the people who really transformed the management of the pandemic, either as a vice presidency or a mayorship, where people did not sort of really cheer them on the fact that they got things done without support, without anything else uh, more than their love for their Filipino brethren is, is really what's important. And I think that to me, and a sideline the same way that mental health has been now, that is now in the open because of the pandemic, we have seen that the Philippines respect people who get things done for their own. And I think that is something that is brilliant and I think brings me the biggest hope moving forward. And so, yes, how do we move forward from this and allowing people to say, let's, let's, let's get our lives led by people who can really make a transformation um, for us moving forward. Those are the decisions that the leaders can make for us, not the previous ones. Has <laughs> 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 had his soapbox moment. I Thank extend you. this. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Iboto niyo po si Sir Luis Terry. Maraming salamat. I'll be your substitute. <laughs> oh, Bams, why don't you go? Because I have our intellectuals here are giving this some real thought. But I, I okay, Bams, go. What would you say? No, I mean, like I said, I find these elections to be very consequential, the ones that are upcoming, and I will vote, and I may the best binary win, <laughs> should I say. <laughs> I would like to ask the Filipino people to please compare the qualifications of each of those candidates, especially the presidential candidates, and you will be able to see, look, and make a cost-benefit analysis. If you don't think you can make a cost-benefit analysis, all I ask for you to do is to think slowly. Do not, right off the bat, choose somebody on the basis of his uh, good looks or whatever. Just think slowly and say, what will this person do for the Philippines in the next mm. year? And mm. I'm sure that kind of thing will sober them up and they will do what I think every right-thinking Filipino will do. They will vote for the right person. I have faith in them. Amen. Hindi pa kayo na-inspire dyan, mga Pinoy. Hindi ko na alam, ha? I mean, if, if that didn't, I mean, faith from Bunimunson and institution, I, I really don't know what else you need, folks. If you got faith, run with it, right? I love that idea. Think slow. Take the time. I think if I were to add to this before Manolo goes, one thing I'd like to say is this isn't necessarily about you as an individual, your fashion choices, your family, and your friends. This is really bigger than all of us as individuals. So when we talk about a cost-benefit analysis, I think that's beautifully put. 
it really is beyond us. We're thinking about our economy. We're thinking about, you know, everyone who's really in need at this point, who believes in science, who is trusting the authorities in the world with regards to economic development, with regards to scientific validity, who's taking care of our trees and our dagats and our manungs who are agri- in agriculture, yeah. which is an industry that needs so much help, who's looking after our indigenous peoples, right? This isn't a time for you to make a fashion statement on Instagram or, you know, it's not necessarily about you, just not just about you as an individual. Think beyond yourself, right? To our larger country. That's, I think, what I would say. Well, I think that ties in actually with what Winnie was saying. Don't think of the individual. Think of the barangay and the greater barangay that, that extends to the entire country, which is obviously the nation. Um, it's just not a time to, to think selfish. Well, there's also selfish sen- self-interest in the sense that your self-interest should point you towards the one who would make things, you know, the leader who would make things work for you. Like if you have a, a government that delivers on service delivery and all the, you know, institutional, um, all the institutions that safeguard democracy and, and strengthen our institutions, then that's in everyone's self-interest, right? And one of my big worries about, I mean, one of the big dis- disappointments or, or sadnesses of the last, of this particular administration is how the institutions have been completely eroded. And we can't afford a further erosion of these institutions. It'll take more than a generation to build back everything to, you know, an acceptable standard of functioning and democracy and service, right? So, Manolo, on that note, over to you. Well, if you remember the past uh, year and a half, two years of this pandemic, I think the most powerful appeal that has been made around the world is we are all in this together. Under that, so many people were prepared to sacrifice so many things and endure so much on the concept of we're all in this together. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I saw a a recent survey which looked at how we Filipinos consume media and behave. And of course, its focus, uh, a lot of it showed that we spend a lot of time on social media. But there's something that really grabbed my attention. When it comes to deciding about the future of this country, which means deciding how we're going to vote, Most of us do it and will do it not with family members or even our close friends. We will do it strictly with people we we believe think like us. And this disturbed me a lot because among many things, what we have lost is the capacity to just uh, disagree with each other and discuss with each other. And the fact that, uh, that collectively, we Filipinos don't want to talk to our friends or talk to even our family members about what the future should be like. And instead, we just want to talk to people who already think the way we do is very frightening. I think we would gain a lot by learning to listen and by also learning to make our case. If we have a choice to make, um, that's democracy. And so my thing is, if you're going to do two things, talk to your friends, some of whom you may have lost over the past couple of years mm-hmm. precisely mm-hmm. because of politics, and talk to your family, talk to your elders, because they have something to learn from you just as you have something to learn from them. And we will probably all make better decisions because of it, rather than the course we're at, which is simply to be 
in an echo chamber. There you go. Mm. So slow it down. No echo chamber. <laughs> right? All these things. Okay, folks, I think on that note, truly, truly, what an honor to have your brains and your heart and your faith uh, with us today. We will we'll do right by you. We'll make sure we get this message out and encourage dialogue and, and everything. So thank you so much for joining us. Bams, Luis, I'm sure feel the same way. We're just so tickled and Bless so grateful. Thank yeah, you, thank no, you. I mean, it's, it's also nice for me being a way to have this connection still to the motherland and to still be involved. I mean, there's again, the wonders of technology, right? So to be, to be okay. fully involved yes, in what's going on. In our Zoom reality, lahat ends with a screenshot. Okay? That's how we are loving each other from a distance. <laughs> okay, ready? One, two, three. Fantastic. Thank you, guys. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thanks so much. Okay, wow. I feel, I feel like I kept sitting up straighter and straighter. <laughs> there was a lot. There was a lot in there. I mean, it's interesting oh, because yes. I think, you know, the, there was such insight and like insider information about decision-making that I was not aware of that's interesting and, and how people are swayed and not and perceptions, you know? It's really funny. Again, in words of somebody that I don't love, you know, perceptions are truth and truth is not reality. So, oh, Lord. Uh, Ooh, Lord. Mm-hmm. So, but, but, but that's what's happened to us, right? And I think we need to combat that and that's, that's the first thing that happens. Um, I, I, leave, I leave today with a lot of hope. Honestly, um, I came in with a lot of questions and, and having both Winnie and Manolo talk about where we're at as a nation has really broadened a little bit of my hopes um, because um, it, it really comes in with, uh, with new perspective. No, and I think we also do, I mean, I'm glad they corrected me, but I think we also do our own people a disservice by thinking that they're stupid voters, you know, and that they don't understand the issues. And I'm actually just looking at my own help at home who they do understand the issues. They, especially the, 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 the way they handled the pandemic was a big indicator of lack of leader, failure of leadership. And they see that. They see the differences in, in how the pandemic was managed and how it could have been better. And, you know, and that, yeah. that I, th- I hope that'll be a factor that will still continue to be a relevant factor going into May. I, I'm going to echo here, well, all of that, but also I really love, you know, Winnie ending on this faith. We've, we've had discussions about religion and spirituality. So parang, I don't know, it, it just struck me today. I think I entered this discussion quite cynical, a little nervous, mm. which is why I had been drinking rosé seriously, because I was a little nervous about how the conversation might go. And I'm leaving it with, a lot more faith and hope. I think, you know, Bams, you bringing up the community pantry. I think Luis bringing up the youth and how much is being done. But I'm okay. Yeah. You know, one of the silver, one of the big silver linings of this whole thing is, and Manolo, I think said this as well. It really forced us to revisit. We are a community, man. I don't care where you are, what country, what barangay, but, there are things that are so big where you kind of put aside a little bit of your pleasures, your luxuries, your preferences, para lang we can be in it together. Diba? I found that really uplifting and, and wonderful. So I'm, yeah, I remain critical, but I'm freaking like hopeful and excited and I have faith. 
So yay. I mean, I hope, I hope it translates. That's all I'm saying. I hope the momentum is actually there. The commitment for change remains, you know, I mean, and, and I think the way things are going at the moment, I, I hope it'll hold. That's what I'm saying. As more anomalies come to light as well, uh, the, the capacity for sweeping things under the rug is diminishing, right? So let's see. Let's bring it back. I would want to end this with, again, with the entire message of this episode, which is of hope, which is we have a country that is great. We have a country that hopes well that believes in stuff, that loves change, that can exert change, make things happen. Mm. And young, that, young people. And so I want everybody to leave this episode knowing that we are oh, that today, yeah. 2021. I, I just want to do a full disclosure as well, huh? that Winnie is part of um, Let Women Lead. It's a group, uh, a, a coalition organization of women that are trying to get more women candidates elected throughout the country in all sorts of positions so there i think we did good folks thank you bam thank you for arranging this organizing yeah it's very exciting you're welcome well was it worth it did we work it put that thing down flip it and reverse it keep flipping with us subscribe to flipping the narrative wherever you get your podcasts to listen to our new episodes as soon as they drop we're on social media too. Follow at Flipping the Narrative on Instagram and Facebook and let us know what you think. Or send us an email at flippingthenarrative.podcast at gmail.com. That's flippingthenarrative.podcast at gmail.com. Music courtesy of Cumbia Mamacita by Yoki of Ozen Beats. And thank you, thank you, thank you to Josel Gaston, our sound editor and musical engineer and podcast advisor and overall guru, and to Nami Kapati, the artist who created our awesome logo and visuals. Till we flip again. Flip the narrative.